0: Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, we're going to mix it up a little bit today. Recently, I was asked by the Boston Chapter of Entrepreneurs Organization to host their podcast. That podcast is called Leadership in Action. Check it out. Here is an episode that I recently hosted. Please enjoy. My guest is a leader who puts client advocacy at the core of his firm's approach. Through his experience as a CPA, an entrepreneur, and a devoted family man, he has seen firsthand how wealth impacts people. He's previously been recognized as one of Worth Magazine's top 100 wealth advisors, and one of Boston Magazine's five-star wealth managers. He has been an EO member for 20 years, and his company is a strategic alliance partner for us here at EO Boston. CEO and co-founder at Lexington Wealth Management, please welcome Michael
1: Tucci. Well, thank you very much for having me, and a happy unofficial beginning of summer.
0: I love that. I love that. So, Mike, tell us why you started Lexington Wealth Management.
1: So in a previous life, I was a CPA. Um, I worked for one of the then big eight, now big four accounting firms. Left, started an accounting firm with a colleague, grew that to a pretty 20% or so person firm. And we had bills, I think, number two market share in auditing and consulting to um, public colleges and community colleges in Massachusetts. Well, at the time, the colleges were beginning to raise money to build their endowments. And we were consulting and doing auditing. And I was asked to help them with the investing aspects of building how to, how to invest the money within those endowments. And my comment, this was in the late 90s, was why, why don't you go to one of the big wirehouses or to you know, one of the big New York firms, which will remain nameless? And they said, well, we'd rather have you come in because at least we trust you. Right. Mm. So at that moment, me, an opening was there for independent financial fiduciary advice. So I bumped into my now partner, Christine Pocaro, who was starting a registered investment advisory firm for one of my nonprofits over in Malvin, Mass., interviewed her and a colleague. They didn't get the job, but we became fast friends. And then over a few drinks one night, she convinced me to... um, Join her and so to, to create a new advisory firm called Lexington Wealth Management. So I did. I kept my day job for a while, my accounting firm. And then after about 18 months, she gave me an ultimatum. She said, either do this full time or I need to go get a job. So I sold my accounting firm, my part of my accounting firm, and started Lexington Wealth Management with her back in the 2000 2001 timeframe. And long love as struck. Short question, long answer. Sorry, but
0: it's the perfect answer to that question. So, so, so you're doing. You've done. I love that. Tell me about the sale of the accounting firm. How did that go?
1: It went pretty well. So we had uh, had a partner. It was called the firm was called Tucci and Roselli. Okay. And um, my partner Roselli was the quintessential account, Right. Loves it. Phenomenal at it. You know, he always remind me of um, Joe Pesci, my cousin Vinny. He could walk into a room. You know, be a rough. Boston guy and figure out the problem in a matter of seconds. So we did a lot of cities and towns and state and community colleges. And I was in charge of the community colleges. He had the cities and towns. So I was loving this. He was loving what he was doing. So we sold off my part of the firm, the colleges to a hundred person firm on the South Shore at the time, Um, sold it off and kind of sold me with it for a consultant for three years. I consulted on that for three years. I was getting Lexington Wealth Management going with my partner Christine Pokara.
0: I love it. I love it. So, okay. So, tell me about Lexington Wealth Management. What is the typical client, and how do you typically help them?
1: So I'm going to backtrack for one second. Yeah, I'm let's gonna, do it. I feel like a politician here. So when we started the firm in 2001, yes, we've had maybe two handfuls of clients, maybe three, four, and 9/11 happens, mm. right, and we were like, shit, what do, we, what do we do, right, you know, and so we started looking up data, what happened in previous, what happened in World War II with Pearl Harbor, we started looking at all this stuff, and one of our clients was a psychologist, and we started talking to her, and she said, Mike, put the data down for a minute. She goes, these are people, they're real people, go out to their homes, sit in their living rooms, and just talk to them, right? They're going through st- stages of grief right now. Our country was just attacked, we we're feeling insecure, Yeah, the money's there. It's in the background, but just have conversations. They're real people, right? So we did it, and we started going forward with it. And we great. You know, I was a CPA with MBA in finance. You Mm. know, um, and understood taxes and tax efficiency and building good portfolios and planning and all that stuff. But that moment, we realized the emotional aspect of money and wealth was a key component. And actually, in Worth Magazine, the last time they did it without paying to be in it. I was recognized as one of the top 100 planners in the country. And it wasn't for all the fancy stuff. It was for the emotional side of money and wealth that we paid a little bit more attention to, right? And that led into working with clients. And it bled into working with a lot of entrepreneurs who, as we know, are highly emotional people, right? And we all think we're smarter than the next person or maybe we pretend we are or hope we are, but it played into it. So typical clients run the gamut. Right They can be retirees, um, they can be- entre- you know a lot of my are entrepreneurs. a lot of my entrepreneurs just pre and post liquidity event uh women in wealth we have a big segment we do we do empower woman series here uh, we work with a lot of women in wealth, and it runs the gamut. We don't have a ton of corporate executives. I've uh, just thrown that out as a as a group, but at this point we're advising on about eight hundred fifty clients and about two point two billion dollars of client's assets. And we're a fee-only uh, fiduciary firm, right? And that's how we set it up. But we pay a lot of attention to this day to really trying to understand our client. And our thought process is if we can really understand our client, and that means they'll probably tell us more things. The more things they tell us, the better we can plan. Versus just handing someone a questionnaire, having them fill out some box and give them some kind of can plan. So, and it ties into being an entrepreneur because, as you know, the fun of life is just the mixing up of everything, right? Good, bad, or indifferent is what makes life fun and spicy, right? But I, I think it makes us better planners.
0: That's amazing. And, it, and it's amazing that you can, you can trace it back to 9-11 and the feeling and the psychology around the people, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to the numbers, because it's really easy to say assets under management, right? So yeah. what does so that, that actually mean? Yeah. What does that mean? But the people... Tell me about the entrepreneurs. So, tell me, are there certain characteristics that you see? And I definitely want to get into the pre and post uh, liquidity events too.
1: Sure. So, I'd say this: I've been I've been an EO group for twenty years. Mm-hmm. I'm also in a Vistage group, and I was sitting a with a group of people I've been with for a number of years, and we cover all kinds of issues, as you know, in these groups. But at one point we went around the room and everyone kind of talked about what their financial plan was and what they were doing, investing and insurance. And, and my observation was that I was underwhelmed with the responses of my members going back uh, eight years. Uh, Great entrepreneurs. They know the business KPIs, the marketing plan, what's their plan B if the economy goes sideways and so on and so forth. Yet how little planning there was their investment process for the most part was highly dysfunctional. You know, a lot of cash, three or four stocks, you know, it was just very, or they just hadn't paid attention to it at all, right? It was just sitting on the side, no real holistic plan um, drawn. Um, The spouses, in many cases, hadn't been brought into the financial planning or what they had as a plan. So a lot of ambiguity amongst the spouse. Um, And I was really surprised about that because my thinking and and what I did early on with my spouse is I, I, I sold the vision. Hey, we don't have much. Here's what we have here personally, but here's what the business is, right? And I tend to find out entrepreneurs either totally overvalue the business or really undervalue the business, right? So I was just really concerned when we went around the room, and I said, "There's a, there's an opening here to really help entrepreneurs along the way."
0: I love that, and and everyone is different, right? I mean, you are an entrepreneur, and you. Chose to take a path of full transparency. Where we are more of an accountant role uh, with your spouse, but every entrepreneur is a little bit different. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the entrepreneur that is, you know, all chips in, pushing, pushing, pushing. Company is everything, and they're getting close to a liquidity event. They're not there, but they're preparing for it. How can you? How can you assist there?
1: So full disclosure. Lexington Wealth, you know, for 20 years, we're independent and we grew the firm and we got to about a billion dollars. We went to market, hired a banker, and I spoke with 21 different firms, serious bidders, and carved out a good six months of my life. And once each of the models understood it, understood the financials, pre-sale, post-sale, the whole thing. And we had had a valuation done maybe a couple of years earlier me, it was a really valuable piece in the process. So the firm I chose to, I guess, uh, hitch my horse to is a firm that could help provide us with more resources to help entrepreneurs. So one of the things we can do is we, we can go out now and not just look at what you have money put away or do a financial plan, but we can kind of do a Zillow form of evaluation for you, right? And come in, look at your business and get you within. And Zillow is plus or minus seven or eight percent. Um, when you read the disclosures behind it, but get you within 10% of probably where the value of the business is. And then for entrepreneurs that are more serious, we can help bring it to market, bring it to some two or three investment banks and, and help with that part of the process. But the biggest piece I think is to have a true feel for what the value of your business is, right? And then look at that in conjunction with what's going on in the rest of your life and then try to figure out how to play it from there. Um, quick example, we used to have a partner in DC that worked with a lot of professional athletes and he was the expert and I certainly was not, but what he'd get is he'd get players early in their careers that could be cut in a heartbeat. And he would want to take their investment portfolio and make it very safe. A lot of fixed income, a lot of and very conservative investment vehicles. I said, why? He said, because a good chunk of their life is this upside that can happen, but if they get injured. In the First season or two, they're, they're down and out. So, conversely, he had some folks that finished their careers and were broadcasters. I think you'd know the names if I mentioned to you. Their portfolios tend to be much more aggressive because now their life was much more stable. They had this income. You know, they're not going to get injured as a, as a broadcaster, right? And so, we try to understand that relationship with the entrepreneur and with their businesses, right? Some businesses react more, they're more like bonds, and some are like, you know, PE firms that can go up and go down in a hurry, right? But I think just having that baseline indication can be a useful tool. And I still go back to, at some point, selling it to one spouse, showing that you're being thoughtful about all of this, I think can garner more support for the entrepreneur so that that spouse, husband or wife, gets what the entrepreneur is really trying to accomplish, and at least they see it there, and they know what the plan B is in case plan A doesn't work.
0: Well, transparency is always a good uh, rule of thumb, I guess, would be the the easiest way of saying that. Transparency, and then you have a teammate, right? Then you don't have someone who's questioning what's going on. and you know why do we have to uh, tighten the belt, you know this month because sales are down? Like what does that even even mean? But tell me more about the valuation. So you talk about it with the Zillow plus or minus minus ten percent. How do they come to the valuation? What, what is needed by the uh, owner of the business?
1: Sure. So a couple of things. I, I, you know, I've gone through it myself. Yeah. And Lexington's probably done five acquisitions in our 20 years, three of which were done in the last three or four years. Cool. So I've lived it with going through it myself and, and then done acquisitions myself and then consulted to a number of companies. So I think there's a number of things I I usually try to talk to friends and colleagues when they're thinking about selling the business. Everything from just, you know, I put my accountant hat on, making sure your financials are clean, making sure you're properly documenting things along the way, Um, looking for a certain growth pattern along the way. You know, one or two bad quarters can really destroy a valuation. And so on, just common sense things, you know, making sure your books are really clean. You know, personal expenses are personal, business expenses are business expenses, and the like, right? Documenting everything, and just if you don't have a good accounting team, get a good accounting team, and so on. So then, when we come in, um, the, the, our strategic partner now is a partner with a firm that has a lot of data, data analytics. So I have got two of my people on re, uh, that work for me, one of which heads it up. Who's a CPA by background? Worked for one of the big national firms. Um, she goes out and she collects data, a bunch of data. And it's probably a, it's probably a 15-hour project. It's not a okay. heavy lifting, you know. You know, it's like you going to market and selling, but it's a 15-hour project. Um, we know what industry you're in. We look at the codes. We look at two or three years worth of growth rates, and it gives gives the entrepreneur a ballpark feel for what the value is. Right. So, so some firms we've worked with have wanted to do that. And we've done that so far. It's been pro bono. We, we haven't had 50 of them commit at once. So we haven't had the charge, but I always look at it as a marketing tool and we hope these people will become clients in the future. Right? So that's step one. Step two, sometimes people need a more official valuation. They're going through a divorce or something like that. And we serve as a liaison to bring an outside firm to, to, to market. And that's an accounting firm that does a more stringent valuation. And it could be for, uh, you know, um, share repurchases, could be for insurance, could be for a divorce. And then a lot of times it's it's skipped the whole thing. We're really serious. We're thinking about this. Can you help us out? And we've, we're have we partnering with a firm that can really help. We've got uh, about 10 or 15 different investment banks around the country serving different different sectors that we usually try to bring in two or three and to have a broad conversation, right? And a lot of times you'll talk to bank one and it's just not the right fit for them. They, they'll look at the industry, look at the growth rate. It's not right for them. But it's an easy way to take a quick look and get to one or two that you may choose to go to market with. If that happens, we then step back, let the banker work with the entrepreneur. Our parent company gets, gets paid part of the investment banker's fee if, if it works out. We would receive part of it, but we don't accept it. We're, if, if it happens, our piece of the fee, we'll talk to the entrepreneur and say, hey, which charity you like, and we'll donate that to a charity. We don't want to, you know, it's, we're, we're fee only, so we, we don't want to um, have the perceived conflict of interest, right? And we've done that with a couple of firms um, so far. But for the most part, what we've done is the basic valuation. I think it's just a good way to put your thumb up like and say, okay, roughly, where's my business? What's it approximately worth now? So you're not just pulling the number out of the year. I, I find in my business, you know, we're an advisory firm advising on $2 billion. So if we went to market, another firm down the street was advising on $100 million, if we got a certain multiple, a $100 million firm would think they get the same multiple. That's just not, it's not true. There's not as much scale. Conversely, if there's a $50 billion firm, we're not going to get the same multiple as them, right? Um, you've got to look at it that way. So I just view it as a, it's a tool on our toolbox that we can use to help entrepreneurs.
0: It's an amazing tool because I'm certain that most entrepreneurs are sitting there wondering what is my business worth and what is the multiple and what are the factors of this in my industry? So, you know, cheers to you all for doing that. So let's talk about the difference between, you know, the lift for getting this Zillow type business valuation versus going that next step and, and, and going to market.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's two separate things. There's nothing like the free market to tell you what the value of your firm is. Right. So, but it is a, I'll say this, it's commitment, right? You know, David Ortiz, I think famously said, once you start talking about retirement, you're already retired. Yeah. Once you start really, you go that beyond that first step and you start going that next step and looking at bankers and engaging a banker, it can become all-consuming, Right. And it, in many cases hurts your business. Mm. And by the way, if it hurts your numbers, why are you going through this state, Cause everyone likes to hear how pretty they are. Right. Right. Or how handsome they are. Right. We all want to be told that. Right. And the bankers will do that. And those you'll go to market. If you go to market. Right. And it's a whole process that, that they'll try to build a book and do this whole thing and go to market. It takes time. And while you're going to market, if you take your eye off the ball, if your numbers slip, right. It's hurting your valuation. So, I just caution people, you know, the basic valuation is easy. It doesn't take a ton of time. And if you're really ready to go to market, yes, do it. But know that it's, it's a process. If you run it the appropriate way, in my view, it's going to take a lot of time and energy, right? And you better be really serious about it if and when you go there.
0: And then you're available once they're post-liquid. So there's analysis on... On where to put the money, Actually, but also before you get the money, how to receive the money, right?
1: Right. Even even before that, we're available okay. because a lot of times, just knowing what is what is your number. So yes. if it's an entrepreneur, and they're selling, and they're forty five years old, and they've got you know a three seven year a seven year old, an eight year old, a twelve year olds, and they're planning on reinventing themselves and doing the next act. Well, sometimes the next act happens. Sometimes we're one hit wonders, right? So the worry is, what if I'm a one-hit wonder? Do I have enough? Mm. Now, if the person's 64, different story. Okay, the kids are through college, X, Y, and Z. Okay, what's my number? will run, will work. For the 45-year-old, what's my number? Maybe a different story. Because if you look at it, you've got 45 years of life expectancy ahead of you, right? With a lot of costs coming down the road. So we can help refine that number and run it under different scenarios you know, do I have another hit? Do I take a job someplace and and make a couple hundred thousand a year? What is it, right? Uh, and that also dovetails with we also have an estate planning service where we have an estate planning attorney that is available to us that we can use to review your documents, but also we can have that conversation with you. So many in many cases, you know, if you're pre-sale, there's a lot of estate planning. There's some tools in the toolbox you can use to potentially before the company gets valued, to, to gift shares out of the business and so on and so forth, pre-valuate, pre pre-going the market. Right? So
0: And I so assume little- that's kind of a team huddle, right? That's a, a state planning attorney, CPA, you all getting together and saying this is this is the strategy, let's let's execute it this way.
1: So it's it's definitely a firm like ours in the plan. Yeah. We also have access to call it an in-house. Our parent company has an estate planning team Yeah, that can be included in that consulting fee. So basically help draft out and give you some thoughts before you go out and hire an estate planning attorney and they turn the clock on. Yeah. And that rate can be five, six, seven, twelve hundred 1200 bucks an hour, right? So help with some of that pre-planning. I'm doing this right now with an entrepreneur um, worth probably 50 to $70 million right now where we're doing some of this pre-planning before we go to the estate planning attorney,
0: which makes a lot of sense, right? It does, the pre-read, right? We, exactly. Pre-read, uh, right? So, you're busy, busy individual. What, uh, what do you, what do you do for fun? Do you find time for fun?
1: <laughs> I find too much time for fun. I always yeah, have fun. Rose, a work hard, play hard. So, uh, three children who are now becoming young adult children. Um, a sophomore in college. One that graduated last week is looking for a job. If anyone knows of something with supply chain management, let me know. I love
0: that. Call it uh, out. Supply (laughs) chain management comes from a good family. Call it
1: out. And then um, I have uh, a son who's working for a couple of years. He's in sales. Um, Tight family. Along the way, I think I coached 35 teams in my town over a 10 year period. Had a blast with that. When that slowed down, we um, bought a house up in the coast of Maine. We built a dock, trying to, you know, we've got a couple of boats. We like to buzz around doing that. Trying to learn how to play the damn game of golf, very frustrating. Little tennis, little pickleball, um, some travel. You know,
0: I do, I do. I shared the uh, the journey of coaching with you. That was um, a lot of rewarding days and and nights doing that for sure.
1: Oh, a lot, a lot of fun. It's funny. A lot of my adult friends to date, outside of work and professionally, are people that I coached with along the way. Right. And Makes there's, sense. There's more funny stories that come up out of that than anything else, which is not for this podcast.
0: No, but isn't it great to see those those players develop into human beings and have their successes and 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 be, be proud to have been a minuscule, but a part of that.
1: I walk into I'm in Winchester and I walk into Dunkin' Donuts last fall and I'm 6'5, about 235 pounds. Some kid comes up to me, he's probably 6'3, full BA, probably 280. Slaps me on the back, hey coach, how's it going? And I was like, I've got no idea who you are. Last time I saw you, you're a peach-faced little boy, you know?
0: Yes, but is there a better feeling than that? You know, that was, than-
1: I, it was a great, it was a great feeling. Basically.
0: I love I love being referred to as coach. It means uh it means you you made an impact. Hopefully. So cheers. Hopefully. Hopefully. Cheers. So but Maine, what's going on in Maine? Tell me about Maine. That's an interesting place. Are you starting to uh, to dial it back and enjoy the the good fruits of your labors?
1: So the plan is to dial it back. Yeah, yeah. I find myself working more than ever. So post um, transaction for us, um, Christine and I kept a piece of uh, company's profits. But we were a billion dollars when we sold three years ago, now we're 2.3 billion dollars. Right? We were 14, 15 people, now we're 28 people. So, you know, I the firm we joined forces with is very entrepreneurial, and they're allowing me to continue to be an entrepreneur, right? So as long as I can continue to be an entrepreneur, I'm staying and I'm loving it. Right. And we're we're growing the firm, we're doing some sub acquisitions ourselves, we've got nice organic growth. My team around me is kind of like, I feel like The teams I've coached in town, like a lot of, we brought a bunch of people on as interns. We're now senior managers, you know, it was 10, 12 years ago. So tight team, very few people ever leave to join us. And we pay a lot of attention to culture and fit and all that along the way. And then we work hard to keep it. Like I've been married for 31 years, right? And it's a great marriage. But if if you don't work at it and try to mix it up and keep it interesting, you know, it, it can be a challenge, right? So when things, when you keep it interesting, it's fun for everyone.
0: That's amazing. And I love the fact that, you know, you might take the coach off the baseball or football field, but uh, you can't take the coach out of the coach. I love that. But, I and said you're... to
1: one of my t- team members, we talked about something. I said the same thing to a basketball team I coach. I said, if there's a loose ball on the ground, I didn't want to see nothing but bodies diving for it, right? Yeah. And so business-wise, I, I feel the exact same way today as I did coaching. And by the way, that includes me as well, right? If there's something there, I don't want to hear it's a night or it's a weekend or I'm tired, but someone calls you, same day, you're getting back to people. Even if you don't have an answer, get back to them and and say, I don't have an answer, but I'll be back to you tomorrow, right?
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Little secret, you are um, the reason I joined EO. Uh, You don't know this, but I was uh, a guest um, with one of my now forum mates, Dave Will, at an event that you hosted, Lexington Wealth Management hosted it up at... um, it was either called Brooklyn Rocks or Brock, yep. Brock Brooklyn Rocks. Brooklyn, and you had the Brooklyn
1: Boulders, I think we had Brooke... Alex Connell. Yes, that day. And they his free solo just won an Academy Award. Um, we signed them before like two days before they won an Academy Award for it. And his price like quintuples.
0: Isn't it amazing? I mean, timing is is special sometimes, isn't it? Oh, luck,
1: right. right. That was, that was, you know, we went to do that event and I had a marketing at the time came in with the idea of the event. And I said, you know, there's, there's no way we're going to get any kind of return on investment on this thing. Right. Cause we're going to have him in. He did a luncheon session with mm-hmm. a bunch of CEOs. Then did some rock climbing demonstrations. I said, but it's just going to be a fun event. Sometimes you just got to have fun. Right. And yes. so it, it, it paid for itself, I'm sure, but it was one of the most fun things we've done here at Lexington. And we, you know, we try to do a ton of different kinds of events and, you know, I always justify some fun event and somehow there'll be some great ROI. And sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. But I think it just keeps the the spirit and the energy going, you know.
0: Well, I appreciated it. I mean, to the point where I said, like, you know, sign me up. This was an amazing event. There was a full on wow. And I wanna let you know from the entire chapter how appreciative we are for you and our SAPs. When we, without you all, we don't operate. And and thank you from the chapter.
1: You're so I'm I'm an SAP, but I I view it 75 25 yeah. or 80 20. I'm 80 percent a member, yeah, all right? and I'm 20 in my head 20 percent an SAP. And my view of the world is, if I can just help out some other entrepreneurs like so many have helped me along the way, whether they're a client of mine, not a client of mine, I'll say it doesn't matter. My partner Christine would be mad. Should say it doesn't matter, but it, you know it's it's just it's it's fun. It's good karma and. Know, that's what we're all here for, right?
0: Yes, indeed. Amen. And thank you. We appreciate you. No, so, I appreciate most, you having me on. Yeah. Well, most important question of them all, oh boy. Mike, somebody wants to uh, connect with you. How do they best do that?
1: So it's um, mtucci at lexingtonwealth.com is my email. cell, um, 781-879-9812. And for me, this is personal which is why I give up my personal cell. right? The main line for the firm is 781-860-7745. Lena Cardone is my assistant. You remember the movie, My Cousin Vinny, right? Of course. Remember um, his assistant? I forget her name in that. Um,
0: Marissa Tomei.
1: Marissa Tomei. Yeah. My Lena is some version of her. I can be on an island in Maine kayaking and a client or prospect want to get a hold of me. I swear she'll come by in a speedboat. She'll find me and hand me, hand me a world phone and say, take this call right now. But I'm relaxing. You need to take the call. So uh, Lena Cardone will find me.
0: I love that. And I love it that you've put out your numbers and your email. And obviously, he can be found on LinkedIn and lexingtonwealth.com. Thank you again, Michael. I appreciate you very much.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time with me today. It was a lot of fun.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstiles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, the real estate school at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.